Hi, and welcome to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is your host, Jennifer Sommerfeld, creator and author of the Healing After Birth program. Today's episode is a special episode for all of you out there who are doulas. If you're a mom and you're listening to this episode and you're not actively serving as a doula, I want to offer you a trigger warning that throughout this episode, I do speak to some of the things that we as doulas witness that can be traumatic and trigger secondary traumatic stress injury. So for those of you who are doulas, I look forward to sharing this very special story with you all about compassion fatigue, burnout, secondary stress secondary traumatic stress injury, and something that I call witnessing crimes against wisdom. But let us begin at the beginning. I will never forget my grandmother's birth story. I was in my early 20s when she first shared it with me, and the birth of my mother, that is. I might have been pregnant with my first son, but I can't fully remember. I just recall being captivated and enraged by it. When my maternal grandmother went into labor, she was only 17 and married to a man 17 years her senior. And as a good Catholic girl, she was raised to understand that her role and worth as a woman was to have children. I remember her telling me that love never entered the equation and that sex scared her and still does. She was not sex nor birth informed, not like my 14 year old daughter is. And it was all a mystery to her. And as she stated, a painful one. When labor started, she reported feeling confused and afraid. She was confused about how and where babies are born and afraid that she was going to die in the process. She was taken to the hospital in a small French community of Winnipeg, Manitoba, and left alone with her labor pains. And when she arrived, she was in a state of hysteria, and the nurses eventually strapped her to the table, naked, unable to move, and terrified. I can't imagine being strapped down, pinned to a table against my will in a strange place with strange people poking at me in my private places. Things were being done to her and there was no seeking consent or explaining what was happening. Back in those days, childbirth classes were not a thing and people just didn't talk about birth in the same way as we do today. Truly, it floors me that in two generations we've gone from quote, not knowing to quote, oversharing. Take a look at social media. I receive videos of women giving birth daily. Imagine what it would have been like if my grandmother's birth had been recorded and shared publicly. Okay, I digress, but seriously. I remember her telling me that she believed that the medical staff knew what was best for her, so eventually she surrendered, but that it felt like she was floating outside of her body. She was never an active participant in the birthing process. It was something that she endured and needed to get through. 
Nothing about her story was empowering or joy-filled. The visual image of a terrified teenager being strapped to a table against her will is forever etched in my psyche. And today, if we heard of such an atrocity, we would be fighting a human rights issue. Needless to say, it has never left me. Even as I recount the story now, I can feel it in my bones. I'd have to say that this is when I first caught the birth bug. You know, that stirring inside that wakes you up, knocks at your heart and tells you that, quote, you need to do something about this. What is the this? The injustice that seemed to happen during childbirth, the human rights that are being violated during the most vulnerable time in a woman's life, the drive to save women in labor from horrible deeds being done to them, a deep desire to eradicate violence in birth. That's what the this is. I was not aware of it then, but looking back, it makes sense now. It's a no-brainer that the story I just shared lit a fire within that was filled with rage and passion. I was definitely ignited to birth differently, which I did, to avoid the potential horrors. Followed by a desire to help moms have better, better birthing experiences, that is what I would call the birth bug. And those of us who are birth workers have a similar yet very personal call to be of service. Like so many doulas and midwives, it really hit me after the birth of my first son 19 years ago. The passion grew into a roaring fire, not just a love for birth, but a desire to inform Yes, everyone at that time, that there was a different way to give birth. Okay, initially it was a savior's complex. I wanted to save women from the horrors of childbirth. I wanted every pregnant woman, every pregnant person to know that they could have a glorious birthing experience free of violence, terror, and humiliation. But if I'm honest with myself and you, it really was about alleviating suffering. <clears throat> my intergenerational suffering and my grandmother's birth trauma. No one named it at that time, birth trauma, that is. And I could not accept that childbirth far too often was a violation of human rights. I was so uncomfortable with the historical stories and the pain associated with it all. And underlying all of that, I was afraid of maternal mental illness because it ran in my maternal lineage. My great aunt was institutionalized after each birth and my grandmother was diagnosed with depressive disorders and medicated her entire life. In my family of origin, Motherhood was filled with suffering and mental illness, and I was afraid of the hidden shame associated with maternal mental illness because no one talked about this in my family of origin. So when I started to suffer from mental unrest in the postpartum, I surfaced the great family shame associated 
with mental illness and had to look it directly in its eye. Shame is unbearable. And many of us will run from it for as long as we can. I wanted to run from my shame, my family's shame, and in the end, my client's shame. Helping moms have better birthing experiences in a deep way meant that no one would have to suffer in their shame. My lessons along this journey have been complex and profound, not a straightforward line, rather a spiral of events. The glorious high that I would experience after attending a birth was intoxicating. Nothing compares. You know the feeling when oxytocin rushes throughout the room after a mother delivers her baby and floods her body with adrenaline and ecstasy. Oxytocin is contagious. It is the natural love drug. And us birthy types can feed off this high. Nothing compares to witnessing a mother find her power and roar her baby earthbound. It truly is otherworldly. And we, as doulas, have the privilege of standing between the veil and witnessing a miracle unfold that is truly transformative in nature. I am certain that having these kinds of experiences continue to motivate me to attend more births, take more training, and dive into traditional midwifery studies. It was never ending. I was addicted to birth work but I was not prepared for the darker side of birth in which I would witness mothers be victim to crimes against wisdom. I want to say that again, because I think you can relate. I was not prepared for the darker side of birth in which I would bear witness to mothers being victims to crimes against wisdom. What are crimes against wisdom? Well, this is a term one of my wise teachers would often refer to. So it's akin to watching a dramatic movie unfold in which the portrayed good person or quote hero has come to save the main character, the mother, but suddenly behaves in a manner opposite to what you would have anticipated. Instead of them doing a good deed that feels right in your gut and makes sense given the circumstances, they behave in a way that horrifies you and feels wrong in your gut. And to make it worse, the quote hero pretends or shows a proud face of accomplishment in response to the savior's deed. The savior in this case doesn't see that their behavior had a negative impact or rather they don't appear to care. The worst part is the confusion associated with what was witnessed because the hero is disguised as a caregiver. The main character, the mother, trusts in this hero and believed that they were on the same side. In a way, it's a form of gaslighting in which the mother is told that, quote, she should be happy with the end result. This causes the mother to feel bewildered and ashamed that perhaps she is feeling something different. Feeling ashamed that she's feeling what she is feeling. 
The hero often believes that they've done good work and saved the day, even though their deed, when watched from the outside, appears to be violent, demoralizing, invasive, and disempowering towards the main character. And what about you, the witness, the doula? All along, you have been watching the movie unfold and you have a sense in your body that what just happened was morally wrong or unjust. Yet you feel powerless to respond or voiceless to call it out. This is exactly what I was not prepared for as a doula and an apprenticing midwife. In these cases, I felt powerless, devastated, helpless, and at times hopeless. And I would internalize what just happened and believe that in some weird way, it was my fault that I could not do anything to stop it. Just like watching that movie, you can't change the movie. So you just end up absorbing the images. And absorbing the images as a result of having witnessed these acts of crime against wisdom would often turn into secondary traumatic stress injury. That's a big word and kind of heady. So let me explain. Secondary traumatic stress injury is like being jolted with electricity with no grounding wire to move the voltage through you. With secondary traumatic stress, the electricity due to sudden shock, what you just witnessed, gets stuck in your system and starts to fry parts of your system. The danger, if left undiagnosed or unaddressed, is that it can really wreak havoc on your entire well-being, mental, emotional, and physical. And when your well-being starts to crash for the worse, your immune system can tank, eventually showing up as physiological burnout. Without the helping in, uh, sorry, <clears throat> not without, but within the helping industry, we use the term compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue describes what happens to helpers who give too much and absorb too much of other people's pain. Notice the emphasis on too much. Each of us has a set point of how much is too much. We don't always know what that is until we experience the results and have to pick up the pieces. Knowing your personal set point is critical to being able to identify when it is too much for you. In Neurolingo speak, your set point is referred to as your window of tolerance. I propose that burnout or compassion fatigue is a result of unprocessed secondary traumatic stress as a result of having witnessed too many acts of crime against wisdom with no reprieve or effective support. Each time I witnessed a birth go sideways, I'd freeze in horror and utter silence and confusion. You know the scene. The mom is hopeful and appears to be handling labor just fine. And after a good while, nothing seems to be helping anymore. And the mom is forced to relinquish her power 
over to the hero or medical professional. The mom experiences this as a form of defeat and is now defeated. In the beginning, this seems logical and the mom believes that help is on the way to take away her suffering. And so far, the mom and baby are doing, quote, fine. But there always seems to be a problem. And that problem usually starts with either an exhausted mom, a malpositioned or stuck baby, a drop in the baby's heartbeat, or a stall in progress. And this turns into a bigger problem. Now the mom is feeling afraid and concerned about the well-being of her baby, and she's also worried that her birth dreams are no longer a possibility. She has to, quote, give up on her hopes for her desired birth outcome and turn to the professionals to take charge of the birth. This is often met with the mom and family feeling some disappointment, but couched in a belief that we just need to do what is best for the baby. The mom receives all the benefits and risks associated with her platter of choices, all the while she's still struggling with labor pains. And you know, and you, the doula, are trying to comfort the mom and help the family make an informed decision. But you know in your gut that things are likely going to end in a dramatic conclusion. You can't turn around the birthing tides or the course of action. The momentum has swung in the other direction now, ultimately resulting in the mom, and often her partner, feeling powerless, and you too feel powerless to change the circumstances that are taking place. Without describing in great detail some of the horrible plays of events I or we have witnessed, I do want to highlight a few traumatic births that I felt utterly unprepared to deal with resulting in unprocessed secondary traumatic stress injury. For example, the time I bared witness to a baby being tugged and twerked with great force during an instrumental birth, resulting in skull displacement. And this was highlighted as a variation of, quote, normal. And the mom was told that the baby would be just fine. Or the time I witnessed a mom beg the obstetrician to stop what he was doing and he continued to proceed with an episiotomy that tore her vagina to her rectum, resulting in a long recovery for years to come. Or the time that I was present during my midwifery internship when the midwives were aggressively pushing on the mother's uterus with all force to force the baby to descend eventually resulting in the death of the baby. Or when I watched a mother bleed excessively after the medical professional yanked at her placenta immediately following the birth. These are a few of the births that have gone sideways that I have witnessed and I know that they are not unfamiliar. Trapped in the horror of what I was seeing the voiceless and voiceless to say or do anything, I felt unprepared and unskilled in each of these moments. Everything in my body wanted to scream, stop what you are doing. At one time, I actually had to stop myself from pushing the obstetrician's hands out of the way. 
I have spoken up and voiced that my client said stop and no, but later I was labeled as a radical doula. I know many doulas who are afraid to be quote that doula because they want to fit in and be liked. They want to be taken seriously and be seen as a professional. I'll tell you this. I found it even more difficult to witness crimes against wisdom at home births with midwives. Each time I saw a moral injury inflicted on the mother or baby, my mind was flooded with what ifs, or could I have done something different, or did I do something wrong, or why didn't I stop that? I was helpless and hopeless to change what was happening, and I didn't know anything about secondary traumatic stress or moral injury. I didn't know that I too, as a witness, could be impacted by this event. I just knew that all hope and energy had left the room each time a mom lost her power in birth. And I often felt unequipped to process the mother's grief and the partner's shock in the postpartum. There was one devastating experience that initiated the end of my doula career and later became the reason why I've become trauma-informed and teach about it. Initially, though, it cracked me. I carried a heavy mental burden that fed into my relentless sense of failure, failure of protecting the moms from harm, and failure of not being able to stand up against the systemic violence I had witnessed in birth. The burden I was carrying turned into a heavy sack of shame, shame that I failed at my great mission to change how women give birth and shame of some of the choices I had made that potentially resulted in more harm being done. As a result, I slowly dipped into a state of isolation and despair where I wouldn't talk about what I had bared witness to or seek help about what I was feeling because I believed that no one would understand. Deeper, I was convinced that I was broken and that the dreaded mental illness was lurking around the corner to come conquer me. The thing that I was most afraid of to be deemed mentally ill. I lost my purpose and my identity the passion that had carried me through those years of doula work, midwifery studies, and perpetual learning vanished. I was at a loss. I had lost my will to continue to serve women in birth and the pain of facing the reality that I could not and cannot save women from the horrors of birth was devastating and humbling to say the least. All of this bled into every part of my life, and that led to the ultimate demise, still certain I could handle it all on my own without seeking professional help or reaching out for support. Eventually, my professional career as a doula and apprenticing midwife ended, and I stopped attending births. Me. The one who once fell in love with the experience and felt that this was my calling in life. Now all I wanted to do was lock it away, but I couldn't lock it away. The guilt and shame and fear overcame me 
And if that wasn't enough, I walked away from my marriage. Under this collapse, I was crashing and falling hard. I had three young children at home, was not earning a living, had recently moved to a new province and was simultaneously going through a divorce. I always had birth work to fall back on. It had given me meaning and purpose to my life as a mother. This identity death that accompanied the end of my doula career was gutting and I had to find a way through the mess and fast because my children needed me to be healthy and at that time I was not well in mind nor heart. I started to climb out of my mental health emergency which I had later coined as an identity crisis of the soul. I saw a psychologist who was trauma-informed. I spent over 10 grand in therapy over the years and I read everything I could get my hands on about trauma. This was 10 years ago, at which time trauma was not yet a buzzword. However, becoming trauma-informed ignited hope. It was the first time I felt empowered to heal and saw that there was a different way to think about mental illness. This was when I started to link together birth trauma, before it was a thing to talk about, and maternal mental health. Think about it. At the beginning of this tale, I spoke about my grandmother's birth story in detail, and I highlighted that I was both horrified by the potential for birth to be traumatic and that I was afraid of maternal mental illness. At that time, the two points seemed separate, each requiring their own investigation. However, after all of this life experience, I came to know through hard study and express grief that they were in fact linked. Did you hear that? Linked. Trauma and maternal illness are linked. They feed into each other and they can be healed. That was the huge catcher for me. The more I understood about how our nervous system, which includes our brain, is wired, the more I discovered that mental illness was healable. I needed this hope not to feel burdened by my history. And with this new discovery, my shame was losing grip. This changed the game. I was no longer afraid of maternal mental illness. I saw a biological system that was alive, not genetically destined for illness, and capable, in fact determined, to heal and thrive. As I slowly healed, I had newfound energy to go back to school and finish my grad studies. I was motivated to bridge this gap between traumatic birth and mental health. I consumed everything about trauma, resilience, maternal mental health, and the magic of our nervous system. This resulted in this next phase of my life, the one that I'm absolutely blown away by. When I was in that state of isolated despair, struck down by secondary traumatic stress injury, and devastated by life, I had no drive or purpose except to live for my children. I could not have imagined that this is where I would be today and the this that I'm talking about 
is being filled with hope, inspiration, peace, and purpose. I started to document my healing and what it took to heal from a traumatic stress injury. This resulted in the creation of the Healing After Birth program that took about four years to produce and over 10,000 hours of study, not including the prior 13 years of experience that was brought into the equation. I poured my heart into this program and to no surprise, all in the hopes to help moms heal from birth trauma. It appears that this overarching theme, the survivor complex, continues to feed my inspiration. So after testing the program for nearly two years, I decided to write the guidebook to accompany the program because I wanted moms to have access to the information by their bedside. Healing reignited my creative inspiration, the part of me that I believe had died in the fires. As soon as I realized that I was suffering from secondary traumatic stress as a birth worker, I took my knowledge to a deeper level. Not only was it important to learn how to discharge the stuck, stressful energy in my body, I had to learn how to grieve and be with my emotions. And being with my emotions in this way taught me how to be with the emotions of a postpartum mom. I had to learn how to clear my system of stressful thinking and not be afraid of feeling too much. And this helped me learn how to hold space for moms in the same way that I would be, that I would in birth, without being afraid that she couldn't handle what she was feeling. I had an intimate dance with my voice of shame in which I realized that all she does is spread lies that I bought into. And I learned how to discern those lies and no longer let shame lead. I had to learn vital skills of grounding and connecting to my body so that I could stay present with myself and others. I had to learn how to protect myself from negative energy in the surrounding environment. And I had to learn how to be clean with my intentions and actions. The art of mindfulness was an understatement. Deeper yet, I had to learn how to communicate with my interior world, the landscape behind the mind's eye. I learned how to look outside of myself for support and guidance and how to look inside of myself for support and guidance. All of which has helped me show up in a way that helps others feel safe, secure, and capable of doing their healing work. As a birth worker, as a former birth worker, I used to trust birth and I had lost that along the way. But throughout all of this shit, I came back to recognizing that I never stopped trusting in a woman's capacity to give birth. I just saw more clearly all the factors at play that are at times bigger than one person can handle on their own. We may never, as doulas, be able to stop the tragedy 
of being witness to crimes against wisdom. It is already set in motion like a movie that's already created. But we can learn what to do when we witness such an event. Of course, we can choose to stop watching the movie, meaning we can walk away from birth work, but the movie will continue to play out. And I know you probably don't want to stop attending births. Preventing secondary traumatic stress injury from setting in is the first phase of protection, followed by learning how to show up effectively for the families in the postpartum. I realized that it is not just skills and knowledge that we need, that I needed, but that we need a tribe of support. Not knowing how to effectively discharge the stressful energy and images that have been absorbed has a huge, not always obvious, impact on your system and it will eventually catch up to you as it did with me. This is not a sign of weakness. It is a call for change and attention. So I'm eager to share with you what I have discovered along the way so that you never get to the point of no return as a birth worker and walk away from your craft so that you have the skills to offset the impact of traumatic stress and so that you can better serve moms in the postpartum. Collectively, we can be a beacon of light and we can help families turn a horror story into one of transformation. Witnessing crimes against wisdom can become a catalyst for transformation. And this I believe to be a truth. As a doula, if your learning journey has been similar to mine and you most likely did not learn about secondary traumatic stress injury and what to do to resolve it, we can offer better support for our moms in the postpartum and mitigate potential harmful effects of bearing witness to traumatic birth by embodying skills that you already have. Yes, my guess is you already have the skills you need. You just don't know how to access them or what they are. The best part is you will never have to process what you witnessed in isolation, confusion, or silence again. Or at least this is my hope. I'm ignited once again with a similar passion that started this whole journey. This time, however, it's anchored with deep roots that are nourishing and supportive to my well-being and your well-being. I not only learned how to overcome the distressing implications of secondary traumatic stress injury, I discovered even more meaning in my life. I know that as doulas, we want birth horrors to disappear. We want medical professionals to behave differently. We want birth to be empowering. And we want to do everything in our power to try to make this happen. It is an exhausting fight. And truly, 
It cannot be one on our own, if at all. We need to learn how to protect ourselves from the potential harms, followed by how to protect our moms from traumatic stress injury. And the protection I'm talking about is not what you might imagine. It's not an outwardly form of protection, like throwing yourself over someone or standing in between a fight or even running away. It's an inner protection. And this inner protection is needed to activate a power within that will change the way you attend births. And this inner protection gives rise to an inner power stronger than you can imagine. Seriously. You may actually become the person who holds the most power in that birthing room. Next to the mom, of course. And I'm not talking about professional ranking power or decision-making power. I'm talking about the power of the silent witness something that I'm calling the sacred story keeper. This is your role. This power is not overt, it is invisible. This power is what is born out of embodying those invisible skills and engaging in your healing. We need to initiate this quality of power so that we can continue to do birth work, to do the birth work, we are so passionate about. And trust me, this kind of invisible power I'm speaking about is contagious. And your birthing moms and families will feel it. And they will instinctively trust you. Think about it. How often have you attended a birth where in the throes of things, the family look to you? They know you're holding it all. I'm determined to share with you the knowledge and skills I've learned along the way so you never have to carry the burden alone and nor will your families and to build a tribe of support to help elevate and alleviate any endured suffering in birth. In other words, you will learn how to put on your own oxygen mask before you help the families put theirs on. But the two go hand in hand. So I'm coming to a close. And if this story has hit the heart and you can feel yourself in it, I invite you to email me, message me, fill out the form on my website, at jennifersummerfeld.com so that you can stay informed about my up and coming offers. And if you said yes, and you've listened all the way through and you want to be informed and this matters to you and it resonates and you feel it in your body and you know that there's something more and you know that you need these skills I can't wait to build a tribe of sacred story keepers who are on a fire, who are, who are on fire, to learn how to respond effectively to having observed crimes against wisdom in birth, and who are eager to turn that into transformation. So again, 
This is Jennifer Sommerfeld, and you're listening to the Healing After Birth podcast. And this was a special episode for all of you out there who are birth workers and doulas. Thank you for listening. You can learn more about my offerings at jennifersommerfeld.com.